Welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen to each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. This is episode nine of Taking the Middle Seat, and today I'm interviewing Andy Adams. I have known her for a number of years, and she is a middle school teacher in my community. She actually teaches my daughter this year. I wasn't going to publish her episode for another few days, but unfortunately, um, today marks yet another deadly school shooting. So it only seems right that I publish this today. I asked Andy to talk to me after I saw some of her very wise posts on social media. Social media isn't always a source of wisdom, but Andy is. Um, I, in general, try very hard with any issue that seems controversial to go to what I feel like is the expert. So if there's some controversy in regard to medical care, I think we should ask medical professionals. If there is some controversy over parenting kids with special needs or something like that, we should ask the parents of those children and the children themselves. And if there is gun violence in schools, I know we should be asking teachers and students about what we should do because they are the authorities. They are living it every single day. Andy is in a classroom every single day taking care of my child and other people's children as if they are her own. And you'll hear her say that she would take a bullet for them. We should ask Andy what to do in this situation and then do it. There's just no other way around it. And I feel choking back emotion um, in introducing this episode because I just feel so strongly that teachers know exactly what we need to do here. You will hear her talk about how they are the objective eyes and ears in these buildings. And so they know, they have creative solutions. They know what to do and we just need to listen. Policymakers need to listen and we as the public need to make them listen. Um, She just has a lot to share. We packed it into a shorter episode because she is a teacher and took her very precious hour that is her prep hour to talk to me. So we crammed everything in. We do kind of take it to a lighter direction toward the end, and she talks about some of her favorite things, um, which I love hearing about because teachers are humans too, and I think we forget about that sometimes as well. So I hope you'll listen real close to every single word she says. This is her life, and today, again, we hear another story about how gun violence is impacting children. I put some resources in the show notes, so please make sure to check those out. There are definitely organizations that are creating change in this space, so I hope you'll support them with your time and finances if you're able to, or sign petitions, or shout it from the rooftops, whatever we can do, because this has to stop. This is beyond ridiculous. So please listen closely to my episode with Andy Adams.
So today on the podcast, I have a friend of mine, Miss Andy Adams. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So tell the listeners who you are, what you do for a living, a little intro about you. Okay. Thanks for having me, Andy. Um, yes, I'm Andy Adams. Um, I am a middle school teacher at East Grand Rapids, and I teach uh, special education for about half of my day. I teach team-taught sixth-grade English, I teach study skills, and I teach sixth-grade reading electives. So I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Mm-hmm. I have eighth-graders about half my day, sixth-graders about half of my day. That's my day job. Um, my life outside of school mm-hmm. is uh, I have a, also have a sixth-grade daughter and an eighth-grade son. So Super fun. <laughs> just all, all, all pre-teen grade. all the time. Just yeah. <laughs> doing homework with sixth graders and eighth graders during my school day and then I go home and and jump into my own kids uh, lives of their sixth and eighth grade school um, life Mm -hmm. so they're up in Rockford we live in Rockford Um, and I am a hockey mom and a gymnastics mom so oh my gosh yeah busy busy. yeah travel sports um, and I have just a little homestead with chickens and a little rescue pit bull and I did not know you had chickens I do so that just um you know that's kind of us we're busy but it's it's a it's kind of my season of life to be doing those things with my own kids and I just have to what I am. I'm, I call myself an Uber driver by night because right. I'm driving my kids around. It's not the bubble yes. in East. I have to drive. Rockford is very vast and mm-hmm. big. So when I go home, I have to do a lot more driving. Yeah. Just but, drive, drive, drive. Yeah. Yes. I have a husband. He's uh, an engineer in, um, at Gentex in Zealand. And he's his name's Blake. He's wonderful. And that's my, my life's good. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And I reached out to you um, partly because I actually have known you. I don't know how long I've known yeah, you. But back when I used to do Noonday Collection, mm-hmm. um, but you are currently teaching my daughter, which is fun. Yes. She loves her reading class with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw, um, as we all know, kind of periodically these school shootings have mm-hmm. come on everyone's radar. And it kind of comes on everyone's radar and people mm-hmm. get all talky-talky on the socials about it. Mm-hmm. And then it, for people that aren't living it every day, it kind of fades away mm-hmm. as, and becomes less important or less front of our minds. Right. But for teachers, that is not the case for you. And I had saw a couple of your really well-worded comments, and I thought they were Thank well-worded. <laughs> Maybe emotionally driven, but... And of course they're emotionally mm-hmm. driven. At least I think that. I mean, you live this and breathe this every day, mm-hmm. um, and you have to protect a whole bunch of other people's children. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to go to a teacher that I knew um, mm-hmm. to hear what it's like, first of all, to be in this season where this is like part of your job description mm-hmm. is talking to children about how someone might come into the school with a gun and mm-hmm. want to hurt them like mm-hmm. that feels relatively new mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of a teacher's world so tell me first what that's like what questions you've heard maybe from kids mm-hmm. what just what that kind of climate is like what those mm-hmm. conversations have been like yeah I've taught a lot of years and especially the last two to three years just the job the awareness of safety is just really changed um it's almost sometimes I think sometimes I'm living outside of myself as a teacher yeah like you really stop and think about it and you're like I have to do what I have to say what I have to do what drill I have to have what kind of conversations with these little 
precious kids and uh it's it's quite alarming actually um the kids are still just kids yeah and we've i've my colleagues and myself have had multiple conversations just around lunch of you know the things we have to discuss are sad in a way i mean they're sad like oh well someone has you know windows that are bulletproof as opposed to some hallways don't have bulletproof windows and what if we just got this and conversations about how to keep classrooms safe conversations about what we could do differently um when speaking with my students um i never bring things up that i i I want the parents to forefront you know i want the parents to be the foremost speaker about you know anything politically driven or anything like opinion wise my job is just to keep kids safe right so when we do drills and when we have conversations about um what we need to do to keep them safe like we used to not to have not to have doors locked all the time and now district um, policy is we keep our doors locked all the time well quite frankly it's a pain because in out in out kids in east we don't have security guards and we don't have passes and we've always just been able to um love we love that atmosphere to have the kids be able to come and go and you know it's a safe place Mm -hmm. well uh now we don't feel like it's you know the bubble is it's a little different um we have to look at it differently so when our doors are locked and i have to you know open and close or i might have to say no we need to wait just because of the interference of the of the hour Mm -hmm. interfering my class time it's frustrating yep because you have you know maybe this whatever per percentage chance, but you can't risk it. Right. So, but I've, I've had to turn, you know, when I talk to my students about, like, when we do a code red drill, I tell them very clearly, my job is to keep you safe, and I, I might be harsh. I might have to sound harsh because mm-hmm. you have to keep quiet when we practice these drills, and you have to listen to what I have to say. And I expect my own kids' teachers to mm-hmm. keep everyone quiet and to keep my own kids safe. And I know your parents want me to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So we have to follow rules, and we have to listen. And I know a lot of them just, they don't really want to hear it, and they don't really want to understand the enormity of it. Yeah. Some of them really get it. Some of them, they're still innocent and young. Right. And yeah. So it's a it's a sad time. Yeah. You know? Um but the the awareness that I've had to um the conversations and the awareness are just something that it's it's always in the back of my mind, you know, yeah. like yeah, I would have to take a bullet for a kid. Yeah. Absolutely. I I don't I don't have a choice. Yeah. Did I ever think that would be an option where I have to think about that? Never in my career did I think that. And yeah. now here it is. Um uh, it's sad. Yeah. But it's it's the reality of life right now. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, I think you did. I wonder if you feel like you do get asked by either the people that are making, you know, laws bigger than the school or people that are making, you know, policy changes that affect your specific space. Do you feel like teachers get asked, like, what What do you need? Mm-hmm. What is this like? What else can we do? Mm-hmm. Do you get a voice in that conversation? coming from Lansing or uh, I absolutely I feel we we don't I, we have to choose to have a voice yeah like Lansing the bigger mm-hmm. government okay. yes absolutely um, I feel like teachers are this huge conglomerate of information and wisdom on the day-to-day 
like we have a ton of ideas of how we can help and we have a ton of thoughts on uh, maybe what would be best practice and be the easiest to keep everyone safe yet um, I feel like we need to be uh, utilized more yeah uh, because I mean they've often talked about like how do you target and pick kids who would be the ones to come in yeah. and be uh, a shooter for example well with my interactions with kids I can tell you who I would who I would question and it might not be who you think it would be yeah and we have that day-to-day -day interaction and we have that object more of an objective view uh, than let's say a parent or a relative right yeah and we also you know we have our babies our own children and we think that they're this that and the other well we have a comparative group I can compare, I mean, not that you do, but you can say, relatively speaking, compared to their peers, yep. these are the behaviors we're seeing. Um, we have that insight, and there are a lot of things that could be tapped into and utilized if we were asked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's huge because as, you know, I'm a mom, I have a sixth grader and a third grader, mm -hmm. um, and I think even if I was seeing those signs, you know, whatever they are, which mm -hmm. obviously I'm not. <laughs> in for, that informed about, but I'm a social worker, so I suppose right, right. I could see depression signs or those kinds right. of things. But I also don't want to admit that to myself about my own kid. I don't want to think mm -hmm. my daughter is capable Absolutely. of doing something like that. So, I mean, denial is real powerful. Absolutely. But, like you said, teachers are often seeing those kids more than right. I am. Right. Um, and they have that longitudinal, that depth and breadth of a look at kids that age, Absolutely. that whole population. And yes. I think as parents, there's shame and, and there's guilt <laughs> in why is my son or daughter not behaving the way they should for whatever reason. And, you know, we can deal with some, an outline, like we can deal with someone who may have like a obvious disability, whether it be a speech impediment or a Down syndrome or autism, or that's a little bit more recognized and acceptable. Like, oh, you know, we're now dealing with autism, like, oh, my son or daughter has autism. And we can say, okay, this was what we may see. Behaviorally, it's, you know, you don't want to expose like, well, why is my son or daughter raging? Why is my son or daughter depressed? Why is my son or daughter doing A, B, or C? Whether it be something that's neurological or environmental yeah. or a combination of both. And so parents just avoid. Yeah. Or families, I mean, not all, but the right. tendency with behaviors that are irregular and outlying and, and worrisome, those are the ones that often get unspoken and they're missed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you could ask either kind of layperson in the community or, you know, parent of either the kids you teach or even like a lawmaker to do something different, to do, you know, God forbid another of these tragedies happens mm -hmm. and we get all, ooh, you mm -hmm. know, we should do all mm -hmm. these things and then it fades away. What mm -hmm. could we do differently mm -hmm. that would actually feel supportive mm -hmm. to teachers? Mm. I think the gun portion of it is so beyond, um, I'm not saying that there won't be change. I hope to God that there will be. I don't think there's personally ever should be any sort of automatic anything out anywhere. There's absolutely no need for it. And I come from a family yeah. of gun owners, hunters. Mm -hmm. um, there's absolutely no need for that. Um, I can't, but that's something I can, you know, help to, you know, promote. But I think if I could talk to community members about how do you approach 
um, this dilemma of violence or this dilemma of, you know, guns. Um, it's be active in, mm-hmm. in your community, but it, it's little things. Like, reach out to someone who might be, um, you know, withdrawn. Reach mm-hmm. out to a kid who you might notice is struggling or parents who might be struggling. Um, uh, cross lines that you wouldn't normally cross. Mm-hmm. Go go talk to someone you wouldn't normally talk to, whether it be um, race or religion or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, volunteer. Teach your kids to, um, beyond to think beyond themselves. Yeah. Um, because if we start reaching out and we start noticing, you know, behaviors and patterns um, that are uh, problematic, and we can start to identify what's going on and get people help. Um, I'm a huge proponent of social work and um, we have a lot of kids that might not have fathers we there's a ton of statistics on little boys and who lack a father figure well yeah. if you're a, a parent or a dad who could get involved and help uh, either if it's your son's friend or if it's someone that you know get get involved through big brothers or big sisters or whatever it may be get involved with people who need someone because there's a ton of um, data that shows that it's one person one adult who mm-hmm. took an interest in someone who could make a difference yeah. and um, really just teach your kids to reach out beyond themselves um, yeah. beyond just what about me because that empathy and that growth and that realization that life is big and grand and there are a lot of people out there that maybe they act this way for a reason or maybe their family life is isn't so great mm-hmm. um, and the why behind it and once we can get people to be global thinkers and to be a little bit more just caring and loving and just not so worried about themselves all day that's when we can start to make change so it's yeah. just little things yeah little things in your community yeah mm-hmm. yeah which I think especially around here we don't always excel at reaching beyond ourselves so I love that I think probably creating more community is the answer to almost almost anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) that ails us at this point Mm -hmm. um so I ask a few questions Mm -hmm. at the end one we kind of talked about so that's how do we create like more connection more more in genuine connection I think we kind of just covered that yeah um the second one is what um what is a environment or a person that makes you not necessarily in your professional life but it could be here too Mm -hmm. um feel genuinely seen and heard Mm. like where's your safe space where you feel like you're like the most Andy oh okay um well I'm the most me probably at home yeah obviously but um I think I'm the most me when I am with people who are uplifting yeah wherever I am so if I'm with people who not necessarily think like me or act like me but they teach me to be a better person and bring out the best in me yeah then I feel like I can do my best be my best me yeah uh, so whether it be at church um, whether it be in my community in Rockford whether it be with my colleagues mm-hmm. um, so I think the older I get the more I pick and choose um, wherever I am mm-hmm. making setting healthy boundaries for how I approach my time my people around me that's that's the key yeah because if I'm around people that maybe are someone who just look at the glasses half empty then life just somehow gets a little bit more bleak for me yes Mm -hmm. that's totally one of the gifts of like well I'm 40 I have no idea I'm 41 41 Mm -hmm. I feel like that is 
one of the gifts of being this age is like it's you lovely. can like <laughs> no you can just very lovingly weed out the things that just don't belong anymore it's very simple now it used yes. to be complex and you'd worry <laughs> and think about other people's emotions and feelings <laughs> and know. oh I have to say yes to this and now I'm like I'm so quick to say no to things and it's just a lovely liberating <laughs> it feeling is, isn't it it's just it like is. no can't do that no that doesn't work for me. That does not work for <laughs> I me. I have phrases for me to set <laughs> yes. healthy boundaries. No, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. So my last question, I don't know if I prompted you with this or not, but I'm going to ask you. Sure. Um, so I love to, love to ask guests about favorite things. So mm-hmm. things like either, you know, a product or a place to eat or something totally mm-hmm. deep and wise and wonderful, mm-hmm. but things that are just making you happy mm-hmm. right now. Because I think people connect through favorite things. Yes. Um... Oh, goodness. Well, I am starting to weed out life as well. Just, I'm learning that I, simpler, whether it be what I wear, um, what I eat, mm-hmm. uh, what I have in my house mm-hmm. is, makes me feel less um, stressed, yeah. really, frankly. Um, so, wearing things, I've decided, I'm like, why do I have anything that's crazy in patterns and colors when I really like neutrals? Right. <laughs> yes. So now I'm just weeding out all my patterns because I just go and wear the same things. Um, a little bit of mix. But um, I, I enjoy things that are um, made with a purpose, whether it be jewelry. I love jewelry that's made with a purpose. I have a little favorite um, uh, gal in Rockford that I like that she donates to people with PTSD and to mothers who have... Um, um, after their postpartum. Yeah. So she makes and creates her own leather jewelry. Like I'm wearing, no, I'm not wearing some hers today. And uh, it's called Copper and Sparrows. You can buy it at Full Circle Design. Cool. I always pop in there and, and try to support her. Um, things like that. Yeah. Um, jewel, you know, things that have a meaning behind it and things that are simple. Uh, food wise, just anything that is, um, just try to eat healthy. Yeah. And um, so anything that is just simple and colorful and of the earth, mm-hmm. um, I like to do that. Mm-hmm. I feel best when I eat healthy. Um, I love to be outdoors. So if mm-hmm. I'm running and with my friends and um, good running gear, and uh-huh. um, I love good running gear, I guess, and good athletic wear. So I just make sure yeah. that I feel good in what I wear. And But I try to keep it simple. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep, um, totally. Yeah. Restaurant-wise, though, anything with... Uh, a good glass of wine and good right. quality food. I'm happy. Yeah. And we are lucky to have a lot of those around. We, we do. Yeah. Yes. I miss, you know, sometimes I miss the boat on getting down to Grand Rapids. Um, you know, I, I, I do get down here as much, you know, as often as I can. But sometimes I miss the restaurant. I like to go to, like, Bostwick Lake Inn in Rockford. Yeah. I like to go. To, I just was at Blue Water the other day. I'll come down into Grand Rapids. And just any time I can get out. Whenever I do go out to eat, little I like to find little... Diamonds in the Rough, um, try new places. Uh, we like Graydon's Crossing. Yeah. We like Lacari's. We go to, you know, just any of those places that are, you know, good quality food. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I'll always choose to go. Yeah. Any day. Yeah. So fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and your dog, which I will link the Instagram account because <laughs> oh, it's oh, adorable. Great. Thank you. Um, What's your dog's name? Her name's Piper. That's right. Mm-hmm. Piper the Pitbull. Yes. On the Instagram. Yes. It's fantastic. Thanks. Everyone should follow. She is my joy. Honestly, I never thought... I, I used to have a dog, but it was when my kids were little. And I was, um, you know, pretty tired. And the dog mm-hmm. was kind of one more thing. She has brought me so much joy. And rescue dogs know. Yes. They know. Oh, for sure. They know. Um, my husband surprised her um, for, for with 
with her for my 40th birthday. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know I was getting her. I He kept saying, what do you want for your birthday? And uh-huh. I'd asked for a dog for a few years. Uh-huh. And um, he was like, we're too busy, we're too busy. Well, finally, I'm like, I'll throw it out there. I'm like, I want to rescue Pitbull. Uh-huh. You know, Staffy is a Pitbull. I'm like, I want to rescue Pitbull who doesn't eat chickens. Jokingly, because uh-huh. we have chickens. <laughs> well, he found her. I mean... And she was. Uh, she had been in a hoarding situation over on the east side of the state, and she was bred over bred. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think she'd ever been either out of a cage or off of a chain because her teeth had oh. all been whittled back trying to get out. And he found her at a rescue place. They went in and rescued her and another oh. her puppy, one of her puppies, and he found her in Holland. And um, he said, "I want her." And they and they said, well, they kind of wanted to meet the family. He's like, no, no, I, I really want her. So he had visited her for three weeks at the rescue center. Aww. And so she knew him. And he waited till the last day of school. To, it'll be two years ago. And surprised me with her. I had my phone number <laughs> on the dog tag. Uh-huh. And had said the kids were all knew about it. Kept it a secret for three weeks. Oh, my gosh. And I, she showed up at my baseball game with him, and I, I thought he was watching someone else's dog while he went to go pick mm-hmm. his, his son up. I should show you the video. I have it on video. So after about 30 minutes, I'm like, she really likes you. Why is she trying to pull and follow you everywhere? And I'm like, I love this dog. Well, after about 30 minutes, he had it on video, and he said, hey, check that dog. Check the dog's tag. He said, I want to... Um, see where that guy is so I can get a hold of him. Mm-hmm. And I checked the tag and I had my phone number on. And everyone started singing happy birthday. It was oh better than gosh. his proposal because his proposal was pretty <laughs> pretty weak. So I'm like, you made up for the proposal. And ever That's since so she's cute. been my baby, she runs with me. She's my running buddy. She is my joy. She Aww. really brings me a ton of joy every yeah. day. Like, I love that. I think about her all the time. Of course we do. Yes. <laughs> like my kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. yeah, I love my kids. My dog. Oh, how's my dog doing? Right. She's a joy. She's a love. Oh. Mm-hmm. Everyone I needs love a rescue. It. Everyone needs a rescue dog. Yeah. I, we, I'm really passionate We have passionate two, and they're both emotionally, um, they've got some challenges, Andy. So they've got some challenges. We mm-hmm. adopted them when they were like 11 and 9. Oh, wow. That's good. And they're they're super lovely. We love them. Their golden years are going to be flourishing with you. Yeah, and the one I laugh because the one got given up because supposedly because he ate a chicken. Oh, and and so he had to. I don't know where he was living. We eat chicken, right? right, I know. Leave the dog alone. Right, the chicken probably had it coming. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, they're both a challenge, but they're they're lovely, and I'm glad we have them. Yeah. So I agree. Everyone should yeah, rescue yeah, a dog. Has her challenges. She's reactive with other dogs, so I have to be careful on like on a trail just because she wasn't socialized correctly. Yeah. But she's so into like pleasing us that she will literally jump over a chicken to get to me. Right. She doesn't pay any attention to the chickens. I'm like, well. So she might go after a dog, but she doesn't know what to do when she goes after it. Like, yeah. I don't know how to behave. Right. I've never been taught. But I'll I ignore the chickens. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, that. Everyone should have a rescue dog. I feel strongly about that well thank you thank, thank you thank you for doing this it was, this. Lo- it was, it was so fun. much fun yeah um and i'll let you get back to the the real world yes <laughs> oh great some papers or something right yay right <laughs> thanks andy <laughs> thanks grateful I am to Andy for sitting down with me Um, and I know it was a quick conversation but um, I think it had such an impact I can't say enough 
how I am just certain that teachers and students will lead us to the right place on this issue of gun violence. The people in the buildings will lead us to the right place. Andy was very clear that automatic weapons have no place in our community. She stated that she comes from a family of um, hunters and you know she gets it, but automatic weapons have zero place in our school certainly and in our community. She was very clear that we need to stay active with regard to this issue. I love how she reminded me that parents are not objective when it comes to their kids. I shouldn't need a reminder, but it's just so true. No one wants to admit to themselves that their precious baby angel is struggling in any way or having a hard time or having more severe mental health struggles or, God forbid, considering acting out in violence. We don't want to admit that to ourselves because then we as parents immediately go to it's our fault and we have no idea how to fix it. So when our teachers speak to us, or we, when we get a, you know, a knowing from somewhere, we need to listen. Andy asked us to teach our kids to think beyond themselves, think globally, think beyond their little communities. And I would add that we need to remind kids that they have a voice and that their voice matters. They need to be heard when they choose to speak up. They need to be supported when they choose to speak up about anything, about a fellow student or about the issue of gun violence itself. Andy talked about creating true community, reaching beyond our usual boxes. And this, you guys, you, you have heard me talk about it in pretty much every episode. Almost every guest says this. And I'll say it again, community is where the answer lies to fix what ails us. If we are open to considering that others have knowledge that we don't have, and not so quick to protect our own interests, to protect our status quo, we would have a very different policy discussion regarding guns in this country. It's real hard not to get up on my soapbox, but if any issue needs a soapbox, this is it. Kids are literally dying. Teachers are dying, and if they're not dying, they're exhausted. Please consider reaching out to a teacher you know and asking them what you should do. Ask them what they need. Ask them their thoughts. Ask your kids what they need. Then act. I put a link to one of my favorite organizations in the show notes if you need a place to start. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to solve this on our own. But if we each do something toward that end, we can hopefully make a difference. Let's not get overwhelmed and bogged down in difference and othering and yelling and all of that. Let's prioritize our children and our teachers and act. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I am I have so much gratitude for each and every person that listens to this podcast. It does give me life and it gives me hope. It is absolutely the bright light um, for me right now. You can find me on Facebook at Taking the Middle Seat and on Instagram at Andrea Beck Lunsko, no hyphen. I will be back soon with another episode of Taking the Middle Seat.